0: Lord, thank you for the privilege of being here tonight. We do pray that you'll bless, guide, direct as we look into your word. Uh, you'll instruct in us in, in live, living for you uh, through your word. Thank you for um, the fact that we have your spirit in us to give us the power and we can live life uh, with victory. We can be overcomers. We can make a difference because of you. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you. That was like pathetic. Let's try that once more time. Caught you off guard, didn't I? I love you. Okay, that's good. That's what comes from sitting in the back row. You know, that pathetic I love you stuff. All right. Okay, we're on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 and 22. Now, there's uh, several verses here. I'm not going to talk about most of it. I'm just going to talk about one little line because it's there. And... uh, it's a good timing for it. So, First Peter chapter three, twenty through twenty-two. The patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few—that is, eight persons—were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. So that's the little phrase we're going to look at tonight. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. There's a uh, move-on with Baptist churches to take Baptists out of the name. There's a lot. Uh, I would guess probably two-thirds of the Baptist churches in the United States have already done that. Our denomination... uh, the Conservative Baptist Association no longer is called that name. Now we are Church Venture. Uh, they kept the same initials, Conservative Baptist CB, CV. <laughs> C- we're the is now instead of the CBers. Uh, church Venture. And the reason is because uh, conservative people assumed that you had to be a Republican to come to church here. And so they took that out. And then Baptist, the history, different things people have. So they uh, they took out that name. And so somebody asked me if we were going to change our name. I said, well, JBC is kind of what we go by. If we're going to change it, it's got to be JBC. And so we were kind of kicking around some names, and I came up with Jefferson Bass Fishing Club. Uh, That would work. That's better than the Jefferson Bingo Club. Uh, So anyway, if any of you can come up with a name for JBC, you can let me know. We'll see how we go. But for now, we're Jefferson Baptist Church, or JBC. So the word Baptist, baptism, is a part of... Uh, What we believe, and so I'm going to talk about the theology of baptism tonight. And it's a good thing, not, uh, you know, I was baptized when I was a junior in high school, and so it's in the past, but I can think about it because it's a significant event that ought to have an everyday result in my life if I don't forget that I was. And we're going to look at that. Number one, the word save. In the New Testament, is used three ways. And I've given you this a a, a hundred times, so this is review here, but it's always good to to review some basic stuff. It's used in uh, three different ways. Number two, and um, if I go too fast for you, sorry about that. Save, used three ways. Number two, we have been saved from the penalty of sin, which is eternity in hell. The theological term for this salvation is Redemption. Or justification. Now, if I were to ask you, what's it mean to be saved? This was the definition you'd give me. This is the one that would stick in your mind. It's John three 16. Uh, we're saved. That means we don't go to hell. We go to heaven. We're saved. We are forgiven. We're adopted. Uh, and so the key words are the word justified. We're justified and uh, we're redeemed. Redemption. And uh, so that salvation happened in the past for me. And for most of you, it was an event somewhere. If we were to give testimony say, when did you get saved? You might say, well, when I was in the third grade, vacation Bible school or at summer camp or wherever. You can remember that date, that time, that point in which you recognized that you were headed for hell. You couldn't save yourself. You knew and believed that Jesus, as God, died in your place, paid the penalty of your sins. You accepted that free gift. Were born again. And there you are. So we're saved. <clears throat> and... Uh, so it says in this passage, baptism now saves you. There are some people who believe that if you don't get baptized, you're going to go to hell. They would take this verse as a proof text for that, along with others. John three sixteen is the classic passage on this first one. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved, saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Number three, we will be saved from the presence of sin when we enter heaven. Now you'll notice that I'm using the word P, penalty of sin, presence of sin. Uh, the theological term to this is glorification. When I step into heaven, I will receive a glorified body. That body will be like that of Jesus. It'll be eternal. It won't get old. As if I've told you before, it'll be skinny. I'll have lots of hair. I'll be able to sing really well. And uh, I think I'm going to be able to fly. I don't know. But I'm not riding a horse for sure. Um, but it's going to be a cool body. This one, I'm getting almost 75. It uh, aches. Aches and pains. I am walk with a limp and it's just a... But, and I think, oh, it's not that far away. I'm going to get my glorified body. That's glorification. We will be glorified. Number four, we are in the process. So that glorification, that's over here. That's when I die or Jesus comes back. Whichever is first. And I'm thinking it'll be uh, probably before noon tomorrow. <laughs> that's my goal. Okay, so there's a point and there's a point. I was saved, redeemed in the past and I will be saved and the future glorified and between those two lines I am in the process of being saved number four we are in the process of being saved from the power of sin over our life the theological word for this salvation is sanctification so I was saved I will be saved now I am being saved I was redeemed I will be glorified and I'm now being sanctified And so, baptism saves you. Is it this salvation? Only if I hold you down too long. Then that's what it is. Is it this one? We believe we're saved by grace through faith. No works, not even religious type works required. Uh, So... That's all it leaves is this one, baptism now saves you. And as we read about it, we'll see that that's exactly the case. 1 Timothy four sixteen. pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. This is Paul talking to Timothy, who was his protege. He mentored him. He took over at the church of Ephesus after Paul started it. So he's writing a letter, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourself and for those who hear you. So, wasn't Timothy already saved? How could he be a pastor if he wasn't already a, a believer? So, it's obvious that the word salvation there is not talking about getting saved from the penalty of sin. He said to Timothy, pay attention to your preaching. In you will guarantee that those who hear you will get saved. That is, they will grow. They will be saved from the power of sin, they will be sanctified. More and more and more, that's the power of preaching, is that you will be saved through the preaching of the Word of God. Philippians 2.12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's writing to to the church at Philippi. What is he telling them to do? To work? To earn? Their way to heaven? Obviously not. He's telling him Grow. Grow. Press on. Become like Jesus in character. Become mature. Press on. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. First Peter three twenty. The patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water, corresponding to that baptism now saves you. Same salvation, we're saved from the power of sin. Number five, baptism is a very important part of our overcoming the power of sin in our life. Now, the average Christian doesn't understand this theology, this uh, purpose, the, the way it works in our life for us. Because it's a pretty definitive statement. Baptism now saves you. In other words, this is a power, uh, an, an issue, a principle, that ought to produce a difference in our life. Uh, and the holiness, the righteousness of our life. Number six, we're saved from the penalty of sin by grace through faith with no works required. We're saved from the penalty of sin by grace through faith with no works required. Now, works will follow. We'll have a changed life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. Not as a result of works that no one should boast. Romans three twenty seven, when where then where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Galatians two sixteen nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So we are saved from the penalty of sin. We are saved from hell to heaven by faith, faith alone. Number seven, am I on number seven? Yeah. We can sin if we want, but we really don't want to. So, when I became a believer in Jesus, the Spirit of God came and dwelt my life. I became the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, If you read, uh, oh, I think the theology of Lewis Berry Schaefer, he'll tell you 33 things took place in the moment you became a believer in Jesus. Uh, That's a lot of things that took place in my life the moment I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And one of them is that I want I really do, to be holy and righteous. I want to. And when I don't, I feel guilty. That's the Spirit of God working in my life. I desire, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. I hunger and thirst for righteousness. Eight, our problem is that even though we don't want to, we sin anyway. So I have a goal that before I die, I'm going to have a day which I don't commit a single sin. I, I may get right down to the end and decide I'm going to stay in bed all day and not talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, I might make it then. But so far, I, I've, I haven't i have done it. So it's not because I don't want to. I just have a struggle. There's all these issues. Romans seven fifteen. For that which I'm doing, I do not understand, for I'm not practicing what I would like to do. I'm doing the very thing I hate. Romans seven eighteen. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for the wishing is present, but the doing of the good is not. The good that I wish I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not wish. And that's where we live every day, uh, with struggles. We've got support groups in our church for people that are uh, struggling with drug addiction. We have support groups for people that are struggling, trying to get over alcohol addiction. We have support groups for people that are, have been addicted to and trying to get over pornography. Support groups for people that have been addicted and trying to get over gambling addictions. I mean, you name it, we get addicted to it. Uh, there was once upon a time when I was addicted to Angry Birds. You're thinking, no, not my pastor. Just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. I read that it was good for Parkinson's. And you're thinking, really? Yeah, Parkinson's. Did you know that Parkinson's is caused by your brain not producing a chemical called dopamine? And one of the things that prompts you to get addicted to things is that it stimulates dopamine. makes you feel good. It's the feel-good chemical. And it said that the number one computer game for producing dopamine was Angry Birds. And it'll help you get, you know, deal with Parkinson's. I said, okay. Oh. after a while, I said, man, I'm spending a lot of time playing Angry Birds. i got to quit this. Once I decided to quit it, it wasn't an easy thing to do. How in the world does a person get addicted to Angry Birds? But I, I haven't done it for over a year now, so I'm free. But I've been thinking about support, starting a support group for people addicted to computer games. Uh, there's quite a few. I've heard from parents say that their kids are, we get, we get addicted to everything under the sun. Um, that's our flesh. And we want to do good. We want to be holy. We want to do right, but we struggle with it all the time. Number nine, our flesh, the world, the devil, makes sinning easy and righteousness hard. This thing we live in, our flesh, is has sin in it. And then there's the devil. He's working on us all the time. His demons are assigned to us, tempting us continually. The world we live in, you know, you watch the news, what the world is like and all that they believe and what they're doing. Uh, that's where we live every day. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If any, you know, somebody gave me a boat. I have four boats, but I got another boat. I got five boats now. That's got to be sin. Uh, But I would give any one of them away to the right person on the right day, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Don't love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a scary verse. All the things in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, from the world. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. James 4, 4. You adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, your adversary the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's you. 2 Corinthians 11, 3. I'm afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind's. Should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. First John 5 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we've got our flesh, we've got the devil, we've got the world, all of them. Making righteousness, holiness a difficult journey. Number 10, being becoming more and more righteous as a person is a tough uphill battle. <clears throat> And all you have to do to be convinced of that is to look around. Don't look at your wife. (laughs) Look at somebody else. Number 11, baptism is a major key in overcoming the power of sin over our life. So if you're filling in the blanks, take your pen and circle that one. Baptism is a major key in overcoming the power of sin over our life. First Peter 3.21, corresponding to that baptism, now saves you. Saves you. Not that salvation, not that salvation, this salvation. Being saved from the power of sin. Mark 16.16, 16, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Not that salvation, not that salvation, this salvation. Acts 22.16, and now why do you delay? Arise, be baptized, wash away our sins, calling on his name. Romans 6 3. Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order, in order so that the result being that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We too might walk in newness of life. One of our biggest problems in overcoming sin is believing we can. So I uh, used to play racquetball years and years and years and years ago. And uh, I competed with people in the church. One of my main competitors was my brother Cliff. Uh, He has beat me at a few things. He is a year younger than I am. But I take pride in, I beat him in most things. I didn't beat him at basketball. He's shot a bigger elk than I have. He's shot a bigger deer than I have. And he's higher on scripture typer uh, verses memorized than I am. But I used to beat him in racquetball. Not now, but years ago I did. In order to help that along, I took lessons in racquetball. I went into the Y and I took lessons for six months. And I'll never forget the first lesson. The guy says, racquetball is 90% mental, not physical. I said, well, I should beat him easy then. I'm way smarter than he is, if that's what you're talking about. He says, now, here's how it works. When you aim to hit a kill shot, that is, the ball's going to hit the wall one inch from the floor, impossible to return. But instead, you hit the floor, and your opponent gets the point or the serve. And you're going to think to yourself, mm, darn, you dummy, you rotten racquetball player. He says, don't do that. Instead... When you hit that ball on the floor instead of on the wall, you say to yourself, you visualize the ball hitting where it was supposed to, and you say to yourself, I can do that, and I will. And now he said, if you will do that mentally, every time you mess up, visualize doing it right, and then say to yourself, I can do that, and I will, you will improve rapidly. I thought, cool. I wonder how many other things I can improve in With that kind of self talk. And so, did you know that the Bible says repent, 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 repent a lot? Repent, you know what that means? That means I can do that. That is the right thing after you've done the wrong thing. You repent. I blew that. I said something I shouldn't have said. I got angry when I shouldn't have got angry. And I can do it right. And I will. That's repentance. I can and I will. Now, you may blow it again, and the next time, I can and I will. And with that kind of self-talk, you improve rapidly. But the average person, they have this idea, "Ah, I'm stuck. I've been... Doing this thing forever i 've gotten angry forever i 've had these wrong thoughts forever uh, i 'm stuck acts twenty two sixteen now why do you delay Arise be baptized romans six three through four I already give you these uh, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized yeah, I did number twelve I forget where i 'm at. Uh, one of our biggest... Okay, I gave you that one, too. Romans 6.3. I'll figure it out in a minute. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Romans 6.11. Even so, consider yourselves. There we go. That's where I'm at. Consider yourselves. Consider yourselves. Look at yourself. Talk to yourself. Act. Consider yourself to be dead to sin. Do you know what it means to be dead to sin? It means you can't sin. Consider yourself to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Consider yourself to be dead to sin, alive to God. Present yourself to God as instruments of righteousness. So baptism is a picture. It's an ordinance. It's a picture of being buried with Christ. I've died. There I am, buried. And I come up. I resurrected. Resurrected to newness of life with Christ. I died to sin. Resurrected to newness of life. I'm going to change it a little thing just a little bit here at 13 to use jesus as our model 13 jesus is god it's the first point of the gospel jesus is god always has been always will be equal with the father john 1 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god the word was god speaking of jesus the beginning that's when nothing existed not an angel not an adam nothing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, only things that haven't been created, therefore, at some point, that's all that existed. That's the beginning. When the word, Bible uses the word before the foundation of the world, or the term beginning, it's talking about when nothing existed except God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. 14, Jesus emptied himself of all that he was as God, became a human. Emptied himself, I ask some People the other day, I said, so when Jesus was one year old, what was going on in his head? Most of them thought that he was just masquerading, that inside he was God, fully cognizant of everything, but just in a baby's body. No, 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 no. He emptied himself of all that he was as God, went through life just like you, just like me, in every detail. When he was one year old, what was in his head was the same thing that was in most of our heads at one year old. <clears throat> Fifteen, uh, Philippians 2, 6, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, emptied himself... Emptied himself taking the form of a bond servant being made in the likeness of men being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross 15 as most humans do Jesus grew He grew just like I did just like you did just like I am just like you are he grew Luke 2 40 the child continued to grow Become strong increasing in wisdom that's Jesus increasing in wisdom the grace of God was upon him. Luke 2:52 Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Hebrews 2:10 For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering to perfect the author that's Jesus. God was perfecting Jesus making him grow in character through sufferings. Sixteen, Jesus grew in his understanding of who he was, where he came from, and what his mission was. So we don't know exactly that uh, pace, but there are signs in the Bible that indicate that there was a growing awareness on the part of Jesus, the man, who he was, where he came from, what his mission was. There was a growing awareness of all of that information. How that awareness came, we don't know. In Luke two forty-five, when they did not find him, Mary and Joseph, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. So there's obviously an awareness at this point, uh, some awareness, understanding who he was. John 10:29. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Now, this is shortly before his crucifixion. So by this time, Jesus is fully aware of who he is and what his mission is. Matthew sixteen twenty one. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, scribes, be killed, be raised up on the third day. So Jesus understood all of that. Uh, he was aware of uh, who he was, where he came from, what his mission was. Seventeen. Jesus fully understood the plan to save mankind from their sins while he was in heaven before his birth as a baby. So he's in heaven with the Father in the beginning. The plan is formed. Let's have a family. Let's create man in our image and in our likeness. But we're going to have a problem because we're going to give them free will and there's going to be an adversary and they're going to sin. So we've got to figure out how to solve that problem so we can get them in heaven with us and they... Come up with the plan of God becoming man, living among us, paying the penalty of our sin. So Jesus understood the whole plan while he was in heaven before he came. 1 Peter 1, 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, this whole thing was planned, Jesus being our substitute 18 Jesus willingly left heaven to carry out the plan of salvation for us he knew the cost he knew what was going to happen on the cross he knew the separation that he and the father were going to have he knew all of that he knew he was going to become sin on our behalf he understood all that he willingly agreed to it Matthew 20, 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, he came with a purpose. 19, Jesus also needed to willingly submit to that plan of salvation as a man. So he did when he was in heaven, and then he was born with little understanding. He grew and he grew and he grew, understanding, oh, that's who I am. This is why I came. This is my mission. He needed on this planet as a man to say, I'll do it. I'll die for Tracy Rowe. I'll agree to the plan. First John 3 16, we know loved by this that he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for us willingly, knowing all that he was going to go through. Number 20, Jesus officially submitted to the plan that saved us when he was baptized. And again, in the Garden of Gethsemane. So you ever read the story of Jesus' baptism, recognizing that he is God, never sinned, holy? Ask yourself the question, why was Jesus baptized anyway? Ask 100 Christians that. Why was Jesus baptized? You'll get 100 different answers. Matthew 3, Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him, and being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove, coming down upon him. And the father spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then again in the garden of Gethsemane, Luke 22, and he withdrew from them a stone's throw and he knelt down and began to pray saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. mean, he knew what he was going to go through. And then he makes this statement, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus recommitted, resubmitted to taking our place on the cross, paying the penalty of our sin 21, when we choose to be baptized, we are officially submitting to Jesus as Lord of our life. Jesus was officially submitting to the Father, saying, I will do your will. I will die for the world. I will pay this price. The picture of baptism is dying to my will, resurrected to God's will. Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God highly exalted him, Jesus, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow those who are in heaven, on earth, under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 Corinthians twelve three. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is a curse. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Every morning I get up and I say, Lord Jesus, you died for me. You paid the price of my sin. I belong to you, not myself. And you are Lord, Master, King of my life. And I present myself to you this morning, today, to serve you, to do whatever you ask. You are Lord of my life. 22, when we choose to be baptized, we are officially submitting to Jesus as Lord of our life and we are then given the title of disciple. We had a pastor gathering over at Seaside about a month ago. It was all the conservative Baptist pastors in Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And you get a bunch of preachers together. We get to talk in theology. And so the theme this year was on discipleship in the church. And so we got and the questions is, what is a disciple? Who is a disciple? What makes a disciple? When are you cross the line in being a non-disciple to a disciple? And so a lot of those kinds of questions came up. Some people, the pastor said, oh, you're a disciple when you become a Christian. They're the same thing. Um, And so I threw out a couple of verses there. It says in John 15 that if we bear much fruit, we prove that we're disciples. It means if you haven't borne any fruit, then you're not a disciple. And then... Uh, John 28, 19. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a pretty strong statement that if you haven't been baptized, you're not a disciple. 23 disciples, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So during the time of Jesus, you could say, who were his disciples? or well, where was Jesus? The ones that are following him, those are his disciples. Mark 6, one. he went out from there and he came into his hometown, his disciples followed him. His disciples followed him. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That was a requirement to be a disciple of Jesus. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax office. He said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. 24, disciple of Jesus is devoted to his word, the word of Jesus. Disciple is devoted to the word. It means we read it, we study it, we memorize it, we obey it, we follow it. John eight thirty-one. Jesus therefore was saying to those who, Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you abide in my word then you are truly disciples of mine. 25, those who are disciples of Jesus will accomplish something with their life that matters. Matters to God. Disciples accomplish something with their life that makes a difference. John 15, 8, By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Bear much fruit. 26, Jesus does his work in the world through his disciples. He does his work in the world through his disciples. They are his servants. They're the ones who do the work that he has to do in the world, his disciples. Matthew 4, 19, he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Matthew 14, 17, and they said to him, we have here only five loaves, two fish, and he said, bring them here to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves, the two fish looking up toward, toward heaven. He blessed the food, breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave to the multitudes. That's what Jesus does today. He works through his disciples. Twenty-seven disciples have a special relationship with Jesus. A special relationship with Jesus. I think I've told you a number of times, my relationship with Jesus, I'm his favorite. I have a t-shirt that says that. He loves everybody, I'm his favorite. Now, we could debate that, you know what I mean? But uh, Mark uh, Matthew twelve forty-eight. he answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here, this is my these are my brothers, this is my family, my disciples. 28, disciples are given power by God to live, grow, and serve him. So it's kind of an important question. Are you a man? (laughs) That would be the world's uh, problem, huh? Are you a lady? I mean, I can answer that one pretty quick. How about this one? Are you a believer in Jesus? Have you committed your life to him? Are you headed for heaven forever and ever? Oh, here's another one. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciple? A lot of believers can't answer that question because they, first of all, don't know what a disciple is, and they don't know when you become a disciple, what a disciple does. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus. They do his will. They obey him. Um, And they declared that discipleship publicly when they were baptized. Going under the water, I'm dead to me. Coming out of the water, I'm alive. Jesus is Lord, Master, King of my life. (laughs) You know, one of the issues uh, nowadays in marriage is, who's the boss? I tell Patty occasionally, I said, quit bossing me around, woman. And she does that because she's got 28 grandkids and she talks to them like grandkids. And then she talks to me like the 29th grandkid. And it just ticks me off. I try to be patient. But sometimes I just kind of gets me, you know? Uh. So, um, I would say, you know, good boss. It's not... Mean or anything, it sort of gets a laugh. And sometimes she'll say, Well, who'd acting like a grandchild? <clears throat> Are you a disciple? Is he the master of your life? The Lord, King, directs you, bosses you? Do you get your instructions from him? And so I forget. So every morning, every morning, every morning without fail, I declare Jesus Lord of my life. And I'm his follower. I take up my cross and follow him. Okay, I'm going to quit right there. There's a few notes left, but uh, just about out of time, and they would take longer to do. I'll get back to those that we have left, but I got the key part. So I was baptized. There's a mental picture. I was buried and I rose again. And John, uh, Matthew, uh, Romans 6 says that we who have been baptized have been baptized with Christ into his death. And we were resurrected with Christ to newness of life. And so my baptism was a picture of the old me dying, the new me being resurrected. The new me is a disciple of Jesus, the power of Jesus uh, with a mental commitment to serving him and so i mess up often but i remind myself i am a disciple of jesus the holy spirit lives in me i'm fully devoted to him to serve him to glorify him to bear much fruit for him and i will i will so growth is steady not sensational but because every morning without fail I declare Him Lord, Master, King of my life. I declare that I have died to me running my life. I've been resurrected to newness of life with His power in me. I make steady progress. As I said, not sensational, some do. I'm just steady Eddie, growing every day a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Sort of like my weight loss. (laughs) Just a little bit. Oh, I guess that's weight gain. Just a little bit. So... It's how you think. Remind yourself, I've been baptized with Christ. I've been buried with Christ. I've been resurrected with Christ to newness of life. And he is master king of my life. And I can and I will serve him and grow and gain power over sin, over the devil, over the world because I'm his disciple. And you make steady progress every day because you you remind yourself of who you are, who you are, what your role is, what your assignment is. I'm a servant of Jesus, doing the work of Jesus, bearing fruit for Jesus, devoted to his word, following him. That's a disciple. So, are you a fisherman? Are you a carpenter? Are you a policeman? Are you a husband? Or are you a wife? You can answer those questions, but... about this one are you a disciple and do you know it I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus if you know that you are and you acknowledge that position growing conquering sin is so much uh, easier not easy but easier because of who you are and who you know you are in your walk with Jesus Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the fact that you grant us power. You have saved us. We're going to live with you forever. Sin is... We're not going to suffer the penalty of sin. uh, But, Lord, as we live our life now, we want to conquer sin, become less and less addicted to the world and the stuff in it, our own flesh, and we want to serve you with greater capacity, bearing more fruit, bringing greater glory to you by the things we do, and, accomplish. and we can do that because you have granted us the power. Your spirit lives in us. And, Lord, every day we will declare you master king of our life. We have died to us being king. And we've been resurrected to you being lord of our life. And uh, thank you for that. We love you in Jesus and we pray. Amen.